Thanks, Mike, Carla, and Nancy, especially Nancy, thank you. I sprung that song on her, uh, Indescribable, a couple days ago, and she very um, wonderfully uh, took the opportunity to learn it for us, so thank you for that. Let's uh, just open in a word of prayer. Dear God and Heavenly Father, again, as we just come before you, Father, we just look for your help uh, this morning. Father, I... Uh, Pray that you would just use me as a vessel, Father, that it would be your words flowing through me, that uh, anything of my own would just fall away, Father, but your words would go forth in power and truth and boldness, and that uh, you would touch our hearts, you would challenge us, you would uh, have us to think about these things, and not just, uh, not just be words coming and going in one ear and out the other, but that we would really uh, pause and uh, focus and meditate on what your word would, would have us to do, and uh, how we can apply it to our lives. We just, again, commit this time into your care and just ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Somewhere here I have a clicker that will hopefully work. Um, sometimes I wonder if I've lost my, my wonder and my awe of God. Uh, we sing songs like these that we just were singing, we, we come together and remember the Lord. But to what degree is that just habit? How, to what degree is that just what we do on Sunday? It's very easy for us to sing some of these songs, sing these words, and miss the meaning, miss the magnitude of the message behind it. Do we really grasp how incredible our God is when we remember him. I can't speak for anybody else, but let me ask you, cue the slide, what's your wow factor when you were singing that last song, that last hymn? O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. When you were singing that, were you really feeling that awesome wonder of God's creation? Or is it just words? Genesis 1 and verse 16 says, during the creation story, he made the stars also. Five words. Almost as if it was an afterthought. Oh, yeah, and by the way, and, yeah, oh, yeah, and he created the stars. Psalm 8, verse 3 says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? When you think of all of creation. Why does he care about us? Psalm 147 that Mike read for us during the opening. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Psalm 19 verse one, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Let me ask you. How can we look at a night sky and creation and not be in awe of our creator? 
How could we not be in awesome wonder when we consider all the worlds thy hands have made? Maybe stars aren't your thing. Maybe, how does, does this maybe inspire a little bit more awe? Psalm 139, verse 13. This is in the New Living Translation. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Think about that for a moment. God made us. He was intricately involved in our growth, forming us in the womb. Not only did he create billions of stars and galaxies and all of the intricacies of the universe, but he personally was involved in creating us. All of those little tiny parts that would become little toes and fingers and it's not just about the, the, the mechanics. It's about an eternal God who cares enough about us to be involved in our lives. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Job 10 verse 8 says, Your hands shaped me and made me. Isaiah 44 verse 2, Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant. Just like the potter and the clay, the Lord literally formed us in the womb. All of that intricacy, the wonders of holding a little baby, an infant, those little fingers in the ball. In this, how can we not be moved? That same creator, Emmanuel, came to this earth as a baby, lowly in a manger. He came to save us. He came to die for us. Creator dying for his creation. How's that awe factor doing? How's your wow factor? Maybe a different example. If you have your Bible with you, turn to Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse 45, we'll get there in a second. Again, at the risk of repeating myself, we're talking about the God of the universe, the creator, the eternal God, creator, sustainer of life, the one who put all those stars together, babies, sunsets, rainbows, And yet the Lord Jesus Christ would put aside that glory, his glory, 
come to the earth in potentially the, the most humble way possible, went through childhood, was even a teenager, although he didn't sin. Thank you. He went, oh, I got a snort, hey, John, good job. Uh, he went to the garden. And in agony, he prayed for, to his father, is there's any other way than the cross? If there's any other way that we can do this, but not my will, but yours be done. Matthew 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those that were standing here, they're standing there, when they heard it, they began saying, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran, and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. But the rest of them said, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks were split, the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who'd fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Very familiar passage. Very, very familiar passage to us. But let me ask you again, just like those songs, do we just read those words and fail to grasp the magnitude of what that said? I'm certainly guilty of that from time to time, just you know, plowing through it, reading it like a book. The God, God the Father and God the Son had been together for all eternity until now. During those three dark hours, from the sixth hour, Darkness fell upon the land. In our time, that would basically be noon, probably between noon and three o'clock in the afternoon. Darkness fell over all the land. Not an eclipse, not for a few minutes, not a little bit, darkness fell. Verse 51 says that the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That's the veil that would have separated the Holy of Holies from where the priest would come in and do the offerings. Tradition would suggest that that veil is somewhere around 50 feet high, four inches thick. For the millennials, four inches is about this wide. And it was torn from top to bottom, four inches thick. That wasn't done by human hands. That was done by the hand of God, making a way for us to come into his presence. Let's not forget about the earthquake. There's an earthquake, rocks are splitting open. And then in verse 54, you've got the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus. And when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, they became very frightened and said, truly, this was the son of God. Centurion's wealth factor, the centurion's awe factor is off the charts. 
He just watched the world turn dark. Earthquake, rocks splitting open. And he recognized this has to be God. This has to truly be the son of God. Where's our wow factor at when we read those? Do we pause long enough to consider those words? Maybe we need a little bit more wah, yeah, a little bit more wonder and awe in our lives. Turn over to John 17. Backing up a little bit in time from where we were just at the cross. But I want to look at this chapter. We're going to go through the whole chapter fairly quickly. But in the context of what we just looked at, wonder and awe for who God is and what he's going to do in this chapter too. And before we dig into it, the time we have remaining, we need to pause for a moment. We need to approach this passage, this prayer, you know, as if it was almost like it's holy ground. We have a very unique opportunity in this passage to listen in as the, the son is speaking to his father. Let's set the stage a little bit. The, the upper room ministry is finished. Uh, the Lord has given the disciples all the final instructions that he wants them to, things he wants them to do. He's about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's going to be betrayed. And that's going to set in motion uh, a series of events which are really beyond our comprehension. He's going to be mocked, beaten, abused, scourged, separated from his father, and crucified on a cross. He's going to endure the pain of the cross in part because of the things I've done wrong, because he's going to pay the penalty that I deserve to do. And I'd suggest to you it's an intimate moment. Jesus is about to complete the work that he's been sent to do, and this is his last time to speak to the Father, to really just have that moment with his Father before all of the rest of this kicks in. So John 17, verse 1, and this is from the NLT. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one whom you sent. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Again, I know this chapter is very well known to many of us, just at a really high level. It can really be broken into three sections. Uh, Jesus prays for himself in verses one to five, that his work is now finished. He prays for his disciples 
in verses 6 to 19, that the Father would know them and keep them and sanctify them. And then he prays for future believers, us, in verses 20 to 26, that we might be united in him and share in his glory. But when you, when you look at those first five verses, it's almost as if the Lord is preparing himself for the suffering to come. Instead of focusing on the details, he's considering the bigger picture. The work that he's been given is almost finished. He's concerned about glorifying the Father. He's concerned about his disciples. He's concerned about us, his future believers. No thought of self, just glorifying the Father and concern for us. Verse 5 again says, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world began. Because he set aside that glory when he came to the earth. Never stopped being God. Never left fellowship with the Father. But he did put aside his glory for a time. And now he's asking for that to be restored when he gets back to heaven. It's almost as if he's drawing strength for what's to come by spending that last little bit of time in prayer with his father, focusing on what God's will would be for him and the glory that is to come. Verse six, I have revealed to you, this is for the praying to the, referring to the disciples. I have revealed to you the one you gave me from this world, the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you. And they believe that you sent me. My prayer is not for this world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me so that they bring me glory. The disciples were bringing glory to God through their ministries. We often, and by extension us as well, because later on we'll see that the same things that were being prayed about the disciples applies to us as well. We often think about the Lord Jesus as being a gift to us. And he was, in, in, without question, in his, his sacrifice. But here we see that believers are actually a gift for the Son, from the Father, those you've given me out of the world. But everything that the Son has is from the Father, is reflected in his word. In verse 11, it continues, Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world. But I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one would be lost, except for the one headed for destruction, Judas, as the scriptures foretold. So again, as the Lord is getting ready to leave. He's commending or committing the disciples to the care of the Father. 
Jesus had been keeping them safe while he was here. He's leaving. So now he asked the father to take care of them. Jump down to verse 20. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. So all of these things that he's just asking of the disciples, protection, care, that they would bring glory to the Lord Jesus, that all applies to us as well. In verse 21, he continues, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave, that you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. The creator God of the universe makes this comparison that is really mind-blowing, that the unity that God has with the Son the Father with the Son, and the Son with the Father, that we would have the same with one another and with them. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, and you are in me. I don't even know if we can fully comprehend the degree to which the Father and the Son are one. And we're talking about the eternal God who's existed together forever without any sin getting in the way. And that's the Lord Jesus's prayer for us. You know, before he goes to the cross, before he, he allows himself to be subjected to everything that's coming, his concern is that we would have that level of unity, that level of connection, if you would, with one another and with them, with his word. Now, how's your wow factor? When we sing those songs, when we say those words, O Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, Thy power throughout the universe displayed, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When I in awesome wonder consider these worlds, consider the things my hands have made, 
I can't do anything but sing out from my soul. My prayer would just be that we would take these things to heart, that when we're, when we're reading his word, when we're praying, when we're singing these, these, these beautiful hymns that have been laid out for us, that we would just be careful not to, to do it on autopilot, that we would take that time to understand the context, that we would understand who he is, what he's done for us. And one day when the fog of this world is gone and we see him face to face, we'll really see it. But for now, the more we can meditate on it, and again, as that verse that Brian read this morning, that we would meditate on the wonders of God, the more we'll draw closer to him. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Dear God, we just come to you, Father, and ask for your, your guidance and your help. Father, I, I confess that a lot of times I, I don't have that wonder and awe that I should. Sometimes I just take these things for granted. We've read them over and over so many times, Lord, and we know it. And Father, I'm certainly guilty of not always feeling it. And I just pray, Father, that you would give us fresh eyes, fresh eyes to see and understand all that you've done for us, the incredible grace that was poured out of the cross for us. You are such an awesome God. You are so indescribable, as we sang. And when I think of all of creation, from those tiny babies to rainbows and sunsets and galaxies and stars beyond measure, who am I that you're mindful of me? And yet, your son came and died on the cross for me, for us. Father, I would just pray that we would truly grasp as much as we are able the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus made on the cross for, me, for us. That we would truly have some understanding how deep, how wide your love is for us. And that we would grab a hold of that, we would take it with us, and we would keep it close to mind and heart. Let us not be caught up in things that are just academic, but that our relationship with you would be renewed and closer every day as we study your word and we pray and we spend time with you, Lord. Just thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for who you are, Father. We thank you for reaching out and bringing us back to you. We just thank you for your word and the many, many things it shows us, Lord. And we just, again, ask for your, your blessing on our time and as we go forward in this week, Lord, that everything we do would be for the glory and honor of your Son. In his name we pray. Amen.